Philippians 1, we'll be looking at verses 12 and then the first part of 18. Verse 12. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. So it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, as we open up your word and hear your word this morning, I pray that our love for you would increase with knowledge so that we might approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Would you use those, these words in these moments so that we might make Christ known. In Jesus' name, amen. If someone were to ask you, what is your passion? What would you say? What is your passion? Oh, we might say Jesus, and I hope we would. We might say what we spend our time doing. Maybe it's our work. Our work is our passion. Or maybe some hobby. Maybe it's sports or fitness and health or music or art or computers or cars or baking or reading, traveling, Helping others might be a passion. Maybe it's our children's happiness. It's a passion of my life, my children's happiness. Maybe it's, it's reputation or recognition or success. Whatever our passion is, whatever is central to us can become or becomes the lens by which we view our various circumstances in life. Our passions can often be revealed not only by observing what's important to us, but also by how we view and respond to the things that come into our life. It's often one's passion, no matter how hard the circumstance, that enables one to endure. And that's what we see in our passage this morning. The Apostle Paul's primary passion is the gospel. And the progress of the gospel. And he views his circumstances, his afflictions, his difficulty, his reputation in light of the progress of the gospel. And so as we consider our passage this morning, my hope is that we would learn from Paul's example and seek to imitate him as he lays a foundation, as he lays a pattern of how a gospel-centered person views life's circumstances. That's my goal this morning, that as Christians, as we seek to prioritize knowing Christ and making him known, that we would view our various circumstances in life in a similar way as Paul. Now, I think it's necessary to say before we jump in, I'm not saying that we can't have or don't have other passions or other things that are valuable to us. I'm not saying that. I I'm not saying that our work or hobbies or children's happiness or success, whatever it might be that, that we really enjoy, I'm not saying that we can't have those. 
these various passions, so to speak, aren't necessarily at odds with having a passion for the gospel, okay? But the primary passion ought to be the gospel and its advancement so that we view these other things that are important to us in this light, in light of that priority. I hope that makes sense. So let's, let's look at our passage here. As first point, as followers of Christ, view your circumstances as an opportunity to advance the gospel among unbelievers. Our circumstances can serve to advance the gospel among unbelievers. And that's what we see here with Paul. So notice verses 12 and 13. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. So as the Apostle Paul begins to share an update on his circumstances, he, he doesn't focus on what's happened to him. Instead, he highlights the results and the effects of his situation. Certainly, the Philippian church was familiar with what was going on with him. They were, they were concerned about how Paul was doing They had taken an interest in his ministry. They were partners in the gospel. They had sent him financial support to meet his various needs. And hearing of his imprisonment certainly would have caused them to be discouraged because we would think this would mean a hindrance to the gospel that Paul was proclaiming. But though Paul was in chains, his gospel is not bound In fact, just the opposite has occurred, and Paul wants the church to know this. What has happened to him has actually served, it has really served to advance the gospel. Everything that's happened to Paul to to get him to this point in Rome, and you can read about this, I I was reading about it this week as I finished the book of Acts. In Acts 21 to 28, we get his journey from Jerusalem to Rome. Experiencing beatings, shipwreck, prison. He's waiting for his trial. And it has not actually hindered the gospel, but has served to help the progress of the gospel. Paul's chains, his adversity, his difficult circumstances have resulted in an advancement of the gospel. Notice the first way that the gospel advanced among unbelievers. In verse 13 here, we see the results of his imprisonment. Verse 13, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. In God's providence and goodness, through Paul's suffering, Paul has been placed now in a new setting, a new environment, a new territory for the gospel to be heard among unbelievers. A new trail has been blazed for the gospel to go forth in Rome. Paul's put in contact with certain people, a certain group of people, soldiers, Roman officials, who would not have had a relationship with him otherwise. And it leads to new ways and new opportunities for the gospel to advance. It has become known through the whole imperial guard that he is in chains for Christ. It's been observed that at its strength, 
the Imperial Guard or the Praetorian Guard was a unit of Roman soldiers consisting of about 9,000 to 10,000 men. They were essentially bodyguards for the emperor. They were part of an elite group with special privileges. And in four-hour shifts, they were being chained to the apostle Paul as they watch over him. Imagine, imagine this with me. New roads have been paved for the gospel to be heard as he's chained to these various soldiers. Every four hours or so? Perhaps it would go something like this. This is what I picture. Hello there, what's your name? Maximus. Well, Maximus, my name is Paul. Formerly, it was Saul. Let let me tell you about my experience and about what brought this about. And then he would go on. Or, let me tell you about my crucified Lord and Savior who rose again. Let me tell you about this man from Nazareth, of his life, death, and resurrection. He is our only hope of eternal life. And we must repent, turn from our sins, and turn to God because God has fixed a time in which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And he's given us this assurance by raising him from the dead. The prophets spoke of this. And it's now come to pass. And his name is Jesus. Would you believe in him too? And then later, Marcus Felix, Octavius, I don't know their names, some Rome names, Julius, you're going to get the story too. We, we know the Apostle Paul would have taken advantage of these opportunities to tell people about Jesus. Let, let me read you a couple passages, we actually see this in Acts, that display this. Acts 26, 22, and 23. So he's making his way there. Just listen to Paul's words. I stand here testifying both to small and great, saying nothing but what the prophets and Moses said would come to pass, that the Christ must suffer, and that by being the first to rise from the dead, he would proclaim light both to our people and to the Gentiles. And then in, in verse 28, King Agrippa said to Paul, In a short time, would you persuade me to be a Christian? Paul said, Whether short or long, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me this day might become as I am, except for these chains. Acts 28, arriving after arriving in Rome, he called together local Jewish leaders. They wanted to hear about what he believed. What brought you to this point? So when they appointed a day for him, a great number came to his lodging place, In verse 23, from morning till evening, he expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law and Moses, the law of Moses and from the prophets. Some were convinced, but others disbelieved. And then in verse 30, likely the time that he's writing this letter, so Acts 28, 30, this is probably the time he's writing this letter to the Philippians. He lived there two whole years. 
at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him. And then verse 31, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. That's the circumstance and setting. The gospel makes its way into new areas that had never been reached. Instead of dwelling on his difficulty and his circumstances, Paul highlights the inroads of the gospel and how the gospel has has now been heard by the imperial guards and to all the rest, to the people on the streets, that his chains are because of his commitment to Jesus Christ. He is imprisoned for the cause of Christ. And Paul tells this local church about this so they'll be encouraged that the gospel is not in chains. It is not bound. They too can have boldness in making Christ known through whatever suffering they are going through. That's the lesson that we can learn as well. God works to advance the gospel not just in spite of our suffering, but through our suffering. God can use our adversity and affliction to advance the gospel. And instead of focusing on our difficulty, whatever that might be, let's view it in such a way like the Apostle Paul as an avenue to advance the gospel. You might be traveling in the valley right now. Think of your own life. Are you in the valley of shadow of death? Who in that area needs to know about Jesus Christ? Who are you chained to, so to speak? And not even just our difficulty, but any circumstance. Has the Lord put you in a new area? or with new people, or in new relationships, or maybe in the same relationships with new opportunities that can actually serve to advance the gospel? Where has God placed you, or what situation have you been given, has he given you in your life that can be used to make progress, the progress of the gospel among unbelievers. Let's be strategic and use it as an opportunity to make Christ known. Also, I would add, how we view our adverse circumstances can have a positive or negative effect on our evangelistic witness and efforts when it comes to reaching the lost for Jesus Christ. Paul's concern was not primarily about making his situation more comfortable. Now, he does plead his case. You read Acts. He he pleads his case and makes it clear that he's done nothing wrong that warrants his death. But as he writes to the Philippians, he seeks to highlight the results of his imprisonment. Paul had a positive outlook on his circumstances. Let's not fall into the temptation that says or feels, woe is me, and then we give in to self-pity. I feel like I have to put a qualifier on these, these things. That doesn't mean 
that we can't or shouldn't share what's really going on in our lives, right? Part of being partners in the gospel is sharing what's going on in your life, your concerns, your, your struggles, your difficulties, your trials that you have. But let's be careful that we don't do it to draw attention to ourselves. Instead, let's view it as an opportunity for evangelism. Consider how your circumstances might serve to advance the gospel towards those who don't know Jesus. And then use that situation as an opportunity to make Christ known. Second, as followers of Christ, view your circumstances as an opportunity to advance the gospel among believers. Our circumstances can serve to advance the gospel among believers. Our circumstances is one of the means, can be one of the means by which the gospel makes progress through other believers. Notice verses 14 through 17. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. So now Paul provides the second way that his imprisonment has actually served to advance the gospel. And we see here the result that Paul's chains had on the believers in the area. Because of Paul's confidence in the gospel, through his adversity, has now paved a way for a greater boldness for believers to share the word without fear. They have become confident in the Lord. Sometimes you would expect the exact opposite to occur in this instance as well. If we hear of someone being put in prison for standing up for what they believe in, the tendency would be to shrink back in fear. And be silent about one's beliefs or views. I don't know about you, but as I thought about this, I'm, I'm reminded of the story in the Old Testament. Daniel and his friends, right, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If I saw what was going to happen to them or heard what was going to happen to them, whether they're being thrown into the fiery furnace for Daniel's friends or for Daniel being put in the lion's den, right? we, know, we know these stories. If I found out that that's what's going to happen, and that's what happened for their commitment to God, I'm, I, think, I think more than I think, I'm pretty sure that I would have shrunk back in fear. I'll just quietly, secretly be a servant of God. Even in Acts, We've been studying Acts in our Sunday school class. Even in Acts, Stephen is about to get stoned. He's about to be killed. And then this Saul, believers are going to be dragged out of their homes, thrown into prison and killed for their faith. I think I would have quietly, secretly been a Christian. It helps to know the outcome. Just the opposite has occurred because of Paul's imprisonment. It has actually led to the believers in Rome 
and perhaps in other areas as well, to have boldness in preaching Jesus Christ. We actually hear of this happening in various missionary stories who give their lives for the cause of Christ. I'm sure you guys have examples of this. Missionaries who have given their lives for the cause of Jesus Christ and as a result, it produced confidence in other believers to share the word without fear. I'm sure you've heard of stories. That's the boldness and situation that's happened here. And I'm convinced this only happens by the power of God, by the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Instead of other believers shrinking back, they begin to preach with greater boldness and confidence. Now, it wasn't all great. It's not all rosy. Paul mentions here in verses 15 and 17, through 17, he faced adversity and affliction, not only from being in, physically in chains and imprisoned, but also from the manner in which some of them preached Christ. Some pre- did you notice that? Some preached Christ from envy and rivalry. This group of People proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but supposing to stir up trouble, supposing to afflict him while he's imprisoned. Now, we're not exactly sure what Paul has in mind here either, or how these people sought to afflict him in prison. But what we do see here here is that they preached out of selfish ambition, out of a desire to promote themselves or their ministry, perhaps at the expense of Paul's. This could be quite confusing, I think. Because he's talking about brothers. Did you notice that? And back in verse 14, most of the brothers, and they've become confident in the Lord, and then he refers to them as some preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. I take this as a reference to Christians. And what's interesting here is that Paul's tone is different than what you, we would maybe expect from the Apostle Paul. In Philippians 3, 2, he says, Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. Firm. Or Galatians 5. In fact, the whole book of Galatians, the whole letter to the churches in Galatia, They're beginning to desert the gospel. And and Paul says this in Galatians 5, Who hindered you from obeying the truth? I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. You can keep reading there in Galatians 5. In various passages like these, we we see Paul's boldness and his firmness when it comes to someone preaching a contrary gospel and who seeks to lead others away from the gospel. But what we have here in Philippians is that Christ is being preached, but with the wrong motives and the wrong attitude. What Paul has in mind was not a false teaching that was being communicated. The content is the same. They're preaching Christ. Christ was proclaimed. That's Paul's concern. He reminds us that others were preaching Christ from goodwill, out of goodwill, out of love. They knew that Paul was put there for the defense of the gospel. And they were sincere and pure in their motives for preaching Christ. 
there's a practical element here in applying this when it comes to our motives in ministry. Whether our evangelistic efforts or in preaching Christ. Even for myself. In whatever ministry we might do, it's important to check our motives. It's possible to have selfish motives all while proclaiming Jesus. Let's not promote ourselves, but Christ. And like Paul, let's lay aside our interests and our own honor and name for the sake of Jesus Christ and his name being proclaimed. Another question that we can ask as we seek to apply the progress of the gospel among believers is to consider this. In what ways can our circumstances, right? We consider our circumstances and how we can advance the gospel with unbelievers. But now, in what ways can our circumstances help the progress of the gospel and give boldness to other believers? What circumstances in your life, right? View your, just think about your circumstances that you're in. How can that lead to the edification and the encouragement of other believers? Right? Maybe you're going through something hard. And you can be an encouragement to someone else because maybe they're going through the same thing. And you can build them up even in that way. Paul's imprisonment led both to the evangelization of unbelievers by him and to the boldness of believers, which leads to a greater evangelistic work. Paul's positive outlook of his afflictions highlights his priorities and his passion. And that's what we see here in my final point. As followers of Christ, prioritize the proclamation of Christ over your circumstance, circumstances. Paul prioritized the proclamation of Christ over his own circumstances and comfort and reputation and recognition, and therefore, he could rejoice. So look with me now at verse 18. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. As Paul brings this section regarding the present progress of the gospel to a close, he provides a fitting conclusion. It serves to highlight his priorities and his passion, which enables him to endure, and it provides another reason to rejoice in the midst of his chains. He's faced affliction from unbelievers. He's in chains. He's in prison for following Christ. He's facing affliction from some believers who are preaching Christ from impure motives. And yet, and yet, what they thought would actually harm him and afflict him, he takes as another reason to rejoice because Christ is proclaimed. His passion and his concern reveals that his heart, reveals his heart, that he has prioritized the preaching of Christ over his comforts, his personal success, his reputation, and recognition. And as Paul concludes this section on the motives of those who preach Christ, he doesn't mention this to try to get pity from the Philippian church. But instead, it magnifies what matters most 
Christ is being proclaimed. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. It's not about Paul. It's not about his ministry or his personal success. We can have a tendency to make opposition about us. Paul doesn't do that. As long as Christ is proclaimed in that, I will rejoice. What is a priority for Paul is not what people think about him, but whether Christ is proclaimed. That's his passion. That's his concern. And here's the lesson for us as we close. No matter how hard things get for you, if Christ is your passion, and if he is what is most important to you, and if your life is wholly bound to him, then you will be able to endure the hardship and rejoice. When we prioritize knowing Christ and making him known over our circumstances, then we will view our affliction and adversity differently. And we will look at our comforts in a different way as well. When we prioritize knowing Christ and making him known, we will begin to look at the various aspects of our life as opportunities for the gospel to advance. Right? So let's see to it that our circumstances are used by God to advance the gospel among unbelievers and among believers. Let's put on Christ-like glasses, Christ-like lenses, so to speak, which views our adversities, our afflictions, our opposition, our times in the valley. And I'm saying there's really times in the valley. I'm not denying that. But let's view them in such a way as an opportunity to know Christ and to make him known. In order to do that, let's see to it that our passion and priority is the proclamation of Christ over the comforts of this life. And in that, let's rejoice. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we do ask that Christ would be our passion. He would be what's most important to us, the progress of the gospel, that we would live in such a way that would display this. And then we can view our circumstances in life as a way to spread the gospel. Rather than focusing about us, would you enable us to focus on Christ and his name being honored and exalted? And would you use these opportunities? I pray that you would enable us to bear fruit in this. That as our people here this morning seek to live this way and take advantage of opportunities they've been given, that they would see people come to know Jesus that they would see people turn away from their sins and turn to Jesus Christ and be saved and we could celebrate that. 
and tell one another about that and then give us a boldness and confidence in you to continue to do so. Would you do that for us? Would your spirit work in our hearts? We pray in Jesus' name, amen.